Welcome to Worship at Grace Lakin. This service was recorded on December 26, 2021. Returning to the Galatians series, Pastor Rem Dias brings a gospel message from Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10, titled, Me Less Than You. Praise the Lord. As Chad always says, I will read the part that says leader, and y'all can join in in unison for all. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let us praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. Please remain standing for our songs of praise.
just yesterday. And we, we welcome you into our midst, Lord. Your spirit is here with us. Um, and we are so thankful for the work that you've done, that you came to earth, that you went to the cross for us. And today we just ask that as the season has passed and we move on to the next season of life, that we remember all of the New Year's resolutions we set, all the goals that we have planned, all of, all of our plans are nothing compared to your plans for us, Lord. Your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and we ask that you would just transform our hearts so that we could pursue what you have in this life for us, because we know that, that none of these earthly things will satisfy, but the, the spiritual world um, is what you fought for and against evil, and Lord, we want to do your work here on earth, so just help us to see what you see, use our hands and our feet to do your work, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Right. If you flip your worship guide over, you can see we come to a time of, of renewal. And today's renewal comes from Ezra 9, 5 through 6, and then verse 10. I rose from my fasting with my garment and my cloak torn, and fell upon my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord my God, saying, Oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift my face to you. My God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads, and our guilt has mounted up to the heavens. And now, O oh our God, what shall we say after this? For, for we have forsaken your commands. Um, this, this part here, in the, in the very beginning, verse 5, with my garments and my cloak torn, and fell upon my knees and spread out our hands to the Lord. Um, what, a, what a picture of really what we, what we do in a time of silent prayer and confession, right? Like, it, it's a silent, like inwardly, that's what we're doing. Um, and I would, just, I would just encourage you to, if you've never done that physically, if you've never fallen on your face, got on your knees to the Lord, um, there is something about that posture. You know, I, I think Scripture is very clear. You know, David, I mean, so many people, there's something about kneeling. There's something about fault that just, in, in surrender. And so I, I, just, I, I just encourage you, um, as we go to a time of silent prayer and confession, that this is what we're doing. It's, it's, it's a time of surrender, saying, Lord, we're falling. We're falling upon your grace again. So let's take a time of silent prayer and confession. Father, you know, there's there's times in the silent, silent prayer and confession, I'm sure, where we're trying to confess to you, where we're bringing these things, and then automatically the enemy maybe wants to, to heap guilt and shame on. And I just want to pray against guilt and shame at this point, Lord. Father, you never use condemnation. Jesus, you never came to condemn and and, and, and Father, you, you've come for freedom. It's for freedom. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray against any, like, yes, we've failed you this week. We might have failed you this morning. But, Lord Jesus, I am just praying that your grace, your forgiveness, your, your promises we would rest in and that, Lord, it would propel us forward. That God, I just pray you would just silence guilt, shame, condemnation this morning. And Lord, I just pray for your truth, your love, your promises to be lavished and poured upon everyone here. We're, we're thankful. We're thankful that your spirit is here. We're thankful that, that God, you're at work. And so Lord, we just we're coming expecting. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, the assurance of pardon is in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 15-17. It says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full 
acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I ask you to stand as we sing our hymn of response. Sunday after, oh, 
No, it's like, hey, Jesus is born, and he's still born, and he's still amongst us. And, and so, uh, I, I, yeah, I just encourage you to, yeah, not rush through. It's like, oh, heaven's over. Okay, we can stop thinking about Christ uh, being born and Emmanuel with us. No, 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 we, we, we can't. Um, but if you have your Bible, turn to Galatians. Oh my goodness, here we go, Galatians. We have two sermons left in Galatians, everybody. Uh, we have this one, and then we have one more. We're in chapter 6. We made it. Chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, 1 through 10 is where we're going to be camped out. If you know Galatians, or if you study Galatians, you're like, oh boy, it's a doozy this morning. It is. There's a ton here. Uh, so just buckle up, and we're going to put your seatbelt on, and we're, we're, we're going to be all right. Um, but uh, also, uh, next week, um, uh, we won't be here, but uh, Tyler Trailer, I don't know if you guys remember him, he's like, really this eccentric guy from Denver, amazing <laughs> young guy, uh, but he'll be here next week, so uh, yeah, invite someone to come support those, those guys are great, Tyler and Ashland, so uh, we will, Lord willing, Lord pray for us, we will be in the car, heading towards Illinois today, oh goodness, it starts, my sermon starts when I get in the car today, I mean it is, alright, Galatians chapter 6, here we go, 1 through 10. Here we go. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch over yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks. <laughs> He is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whoever for, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I am so thankful for this text. And I, as I read it again, I just, my heart is convicted again. You know my heart this morning, Lord. You know as I've studied this, it's just like, wow, I'm so selfish sometimes, Lord. It's just... This is a this truth. This this is what we need as we start planting a church. As we're trying to be a body that grows. Like this is what I want for us. I want us to be people who bear each other's burden. I want us to be people who say, you know what? Take take my life for yours. Like we're we're, we're willing to think of each other more than ourselves. Father, this is, this is your word, and I just want to hold it up. I just want your Holy Spirit to 
to move in and amongst us. And so just do, do a work here this morning. And it's in your powerful name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, um, I, I came across the story this, uh, this past week, and it's just really interesting from church history. There's a guy named Simeon the, the Stylite. Simeon the Stylite. Um, and he was the first of the so-called Desert Fathers, all right? Around the year 423, he constructed, okay, he constructed a short pillar on the edge of the, the, of the Syrian desert, okay? This, this short pillar on the edge of the Syrian desert, it was like six feet, um, at the time it was at six feet tall, okay? So he, 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 like, constructed this pillar, climbed into the top, and there he lived for three years, okay? There he lived, perched on this, this column for three years. And, and his, his thought was, you know what? I'm going to, I, I, I really want to be spirit-filled. And that, that was the goal of why he, he did this. He's like, I want to be spirit-filled, so I'm going to climb to the top of this pole, and I'm going to live for three years by myself because I just want more of the spirit. This is how I want to be filled with the spirit. He thought escaping from all the people and all the things, being perched up on the, a pole would be a way that he was spirit-filled. And many of you are like, yeah, that's probably not a bad idea post-Christmas. Like, that sounds actually really good. Like, just put me on a pole far away in the desert around from anybody. But, what, you know, as I was reading that, I was like, man, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. What, what, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? What does it, what does it mean? Is it, does it mean constructing a pole, separating yourself from all people, and, you know, just, just you and God? You and God? See, Simeon had this impression that one could be more spiritual, completely separated, if he completely separated himself from others. See, and often many of us think that the Christian life, I think, a lot like this. You know, give me my, my pull away from people because people are hard. I don't like people. And I don't like Christians, and I just, just give me my pole in the desert. That's what I want. Like, that's my Christmas present, right? Like, I didn't get it for Christmas. Matter of fact, I had to be around all kinds of people. And see, this text really just blows that methodology up. Um, here's the bad news, and, and the really, really, really amazing good news. If you're a Christian, you were born for the church. If you're a believer, you have to have the body of Christ. And but like it's interesting, you look at the progression of Galatians. Galatians 5 is getting into the more practical. In Galatians 5, there was all this fruits of the Spirit, right? And all these fruit, we just we just hit all these fruits of the Spirit. And what it means to like, yeah, I'm really gonna live in the fruit of the Spirit. And then it's just ironic, it's not ironic. It's not ironic that Paul would just go from that right into, oh, this is how walking in the Spirit, living by the Spirit, actually plays itself out in community. All right, so my sermon in the sentence, here it is. All right, this is the part you can write down and check out. Christian spirit-filled community. Christian spirit-filled community is hard, <laughs> and we often tend to want to reject it, but life in the spirit, life in the spirit calls us to give our lives for others. 
He calls us to give our lives for others. That's 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 walking in the spirit. So I got two big points that we're going to get through. We're going to walk through every verse of this text. So first, if you're taking notes, spirit-filled communities give their lives. They give their lives for each other in the bad. Okay, and this is verses one through five. Uh, so we're going to look at now you know, these spirit-filled communities. What, what's it look like when things aren't going well? <laughs> and then we're going to look at how, you know, what's it look like when things are going good in the church? All right? You tracking with me? So that's where we're heading. Okay. You, you, can, you can give me some head nods. All right, here we go. So verse 1. Verse 1. Let's dive in here. Verse 1. It starts with brothers. He says, brothers, signifying again that we are family. You're my, if you're in Christ, you're my brother or my sister. All right? We're, we're, we're family in Christ. And then he says this, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Now, Paul is going to give us our first way of, of what it looks like to be a spirit-filled community in the back. He says, they are to restore each other who are caught in any transgression. Now, this verse is loaded. And a lot of people want to twist this verse and move this verse around. But we have to ask some questions. First, what does it mean to be caught in transgression? What's it mean to be caught in transgression? This is not just some, like, uh, you know, just some sin that you, you, you've, you've committed and you've repented of. Um, no, no, no. This is a lifestyle of, you, you, you have, this transgression is a heavy weight. This is, this is a sin that you are caught in, and it is very obvious to the community of faith. All right? This isn't like every little sin, and everyone has the right to run around and say, okay, 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 you know, you're the righteous police. No, no, no. This is an obvious transgression. This is something, a lifestyle, a pattern of sin that from the community of faith is like, whoa, who's going to, who's going to, Who's going to step towards his brother? Who's going to step towards his sister in Christ? And then it says, second, who should do the restoring? Who should do, who should do this restoring? It says, right here in the text, it says those who are spiritual. Now, you can circle that in your Bible. I think the translators kind of get wrong. I think that should be a capital S, spiritual. Because what that, the Greek word there is this idea of someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit. So wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. That means, Pastor Rev, you're telling me that means like I'm a Christian, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, this is a task that I am to do? This isn't just for uh, the pastor or like some varsity level Christian, you know, the ones that we have to chart, like you made the varsity list Christian? No, this is for, this is for those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that means if you're a believer in Jesus, then God could call you to, yeah, you're, you're going to help restore a brother or sister caught in transgression. Now I say it's for everyone, but the text is actually going to give us some things of like, hey, there's a way to do this, and if you can't do this, then don't do it. Okay, so let's get into it. So that, that promotes the third question. So what is the goal? The goal in restoring, alright? The goal in restoring is this. The goal the goal in, in, in going through someone caught in transgression is this idea that we long to restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Now that, 
That word restore, that word restore is mind-blowing in the Greek. Because in the Greek, this word restore is like setting a dislocated bone back into place. How many of you guys have ever had a dislocated bone or anything like that? Like broken bone? Remember broken bone? Okay, couple. All right, yeah. And so it, it, you know, dislocated, from what I understand, dislocated and like, man, something really is, is very painful. It's very painful. And see, being caught in sin, guys, sin is destructive. It is very painful. And I want you to think about it. Imagine for a second. Imagine if you saw a brother or sister in Christ, okay? Now you just walk in and, and you saw they're all, all jacked up. Like, I mean, like just bone hanging out, like dislocated. Like, okay, I know this is kind of, but like you just like, how messed up would it be for you to be like, oh, you just walk by and be like, oh, oh, no, that's, you know, and just keep on moving on. You wouldn't do that. You'd be like, oh my goodness. Like, I understand, like, this, this is going to be kind of hard. This, this might be a little painful, but we've got we've to set that thing back now because it needs to be healed quickly. Because, man, if we don't, it's going to get only worse. And I think about how many times, how many times that we see a brother or sister in Christ that is really caught in a sin. And we think it's more lovely just, oh, I'm just hands off. No, we are called to move toward them and help restore them in the spirit of gentleness. And that is the first main key. So you see someone, a brother and sister in Christ, just being buried in a sin, dislocated all out. Who is the person to move towards them? Number one. It is the person that can do it in the spirit of gentleness. This is very important to understand. Gentleness. Now listen. We all... <laughs> how many... Oh, no, I'm not going to ask that. Oh, that would have been bad. That would have been bad. Oh, everybody, yeah. when, when you are caught in transgression... Okay? You're caught in sin. And someone comes to you. I've, I've had this. I'm a pastor. I've had this. And said, hey, yo, friend. What do we instantly want to do? Put my balls up. Like, what are you saying? No way. That's not me. We want to put our, we want to put our defenses up. Like, no, and we want to justify. We want to squirmish. Why? Because we're sinful. We're broken people. We have pride problems. And so we want to put these walls up. And so he's saying the only person, the only person who has got a shot at helping restore someone caught in transgression is not someone coming in guns blazing like, oh, let me tell you something about your sin. It's a, the person who can come in a spirit of gentleness. Because if you come in guns blazing, they're only going to put up their wall more. And now watch out. And I would just be bold to say, if you can't do it in a spirit of gentleness, you are not called to do it. If you cannot move toward a brother and sister in gentleness, this is a delicate task, guys. You're, you're helping restore a bone, for goodness sakes. You're, I mean, so, 
And then the text says this, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. A lot of people think this is what this text, this means. Oh, if I go to them, I might be tempted and do the same sin that they're doing. And yes, that is somewhat what he's implying. That could very well happen. Like, ah, I, you know, I, I could be tempted. Yeah, you need to watch out helping to restore people who are really caught in a deep sin that you don't start wallowing in that same sin. But even more, I think what he is talking about here is he's like, he wants to keep you from a superior mindset. See, in the process of restoring someone who's caught in transgression, what you can end up doing is you can start saying, I'm not really cut from the same cloth. I'm not really cut from the same cloth, and I've got, I've got like a more, more superior mindset, and oh my goodness, like, and, and, and what you can do in, in the midst of stepping towards someone caught in transgression is you can step towards them and say, I need to help restore them. And you make it some kind of God complex where you're in the pride of your heart, you're thinking, ah, I'm just so glad. I, I'm not like them. And you start to feel better about yourself. And that's a prideful way of saying people can see through that. And then look at what the text says. The second way a spirit-filled believer is to act is in the bat is they bear each other's burdens. Verse 2 says, um, see, being, being caught in um, a sin is, 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 is a serious burden. Okay? Being caught in a transgression in a sin is a very heavy burden burden and it can and it can be a, a burden but there's also other burdens that people can have and there's all kinds of just that just burden implies any type of hardship so sorrow worry doubt failure poverty loneliness illness divorce disability depression there are times listen there are times in life when it's just too heavy for you to carry alone like life is just too heavy right now, and that's why we need each other. And look what the text says. By bearing each other's burdens, this fulfills the law of Christ. Meaning the law of Christ, that moral law of Christ, where he says this, to love one another as he, Christ, loved you. Literally one uh, commentator, I love this, said this. Bear others' burdens, and by doing this, Follow in the footsteps of Christ who bore yours. That's what he means. So fulfill the law of Christ. This is what the law of Christ is. To, to think of not of ourselves as superior, but others. And so how do we do this? How do we bear each other's burdens? I liked this one illustration uh, from a pastor, or this one story. He says, I remember hearing a story about a pastor in New York. He said, a woman in the congregation said to him, Pastor, we need to see more signs and wonders. We just haven't seen enough signs and wonders. As a pastor, as being in ministry, I've had this so many like, people come to me and say, and the pastor re responded, he said, man, over there sits a lady who has been evicted from her apartment with her children. I would consider it a sign and a wonder if you would take them into your house to live for three months. Come on. That would be like, yeah, Pastor, get out. Those are the best ones. 
So, listen, who do you need to come alongside? I'm telling you, this sounds really practical, but this is a question I heard in a sermon years ago that's like so convicting. He's like, the most powerful question you could that would change your family, that would change a lot of things, is just this, this question right here. What can I do to help? And then really, 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 really mean it when you ask it. No strings attached. Come into someone, you don't have to just, like kids, you want to freak your parents out? You go home, you say, hey, what can I do to help? Who are you? This question, it, it's, a, it's an idea of saying, okay, here's my hands. Uh, what can I do to help? How can I bear? How can I, how can I help? But here it is. There's hindrances into, into burden bearing. That's what he talks about in 3 and 5. There's hindrances to why we don't burden bear. Look, look at, at verse 3. It says, if you think you are something when you are nothing, you deceive yourself. Such a strange verse. He's meaning this. Some of us just simply think, oh, we're too good for that. Seriously, he's like, you, you think you're something and you're nothing. And then he goes on to verse 4. He says, um, uh, he, each one should test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone. So he's saying this. Okay, there's, 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 there's a problem here in the bird bearing, and this is what it can be. You, you start playing the comparison game, you start playing the comparison game, and you start looking at uh, uh, them, and you think, oh my goodness, look what they are doing. I am so glad I am not like them. And you, in the spiritual pride of your heart, you look at that, and then you're like, oh, I'm just so glad. And you think you're something. You're some type of superior person. And the text says, you're nothing. Paul, like, whoa. But what he's meaning is like, stop comparing yourself to your neighbor. You were never meant to compare yourself to your neighbor. Who are you supposed to compare yourself to the standard of God? And oh, oh, yeah, by the way, when you start doing that, yeah, it says you're nothing without the grace of Christ. John Calvin said like this, we have nothing of our own to boast about, but are, but are destitute of every good thing without Christ. So he's like, man, there could, be, there could be a hindrance there. And then verse 5, this adds to this idea of like, why we don't burden bear sometimes. It says this, for each will have to bear his own load. Now verse 5 seems like it contradicts verse 2. At first, you're like, wait, we're, we're called to bear each other's burden, but then you, Paul, you just said, I got to bear my own load? Like everyone's supposed to bear their own load? Like which one is it, Paul? I read that and I was like, what? But you have to get the different the different words here. The word for burden, okay, in verse 2, is this word of heavy load that you can't lift. This is idea you can't, you can't lift on your own. But verse 5, this idea of load, is it's it's it literally in the Greek, it literally means a man's pack. A man's pack. Meaning this, like you can carry that, that. That's something that you carry on your own. You can you can carry that. So there's burdens, things that you cannot carry, and then there's you got a load that you you have your own responsibilities. Think of it like this: 
Like, we like to hike, and, um, well, some of us like to hike in our family, and, and it's like, you know, hiking, we just, we just make people like, like, what are you guys doing on the trail? Seriously, like, what are you guys, like, you're a crazy family. And, and so, I know, though, that I can give Gavin a certain load, and I can give Asher a certain load. I would not give Gavin's load to Asher, because Asher's two. There's a certain load that he can take. Uh, oh, three. And, and, and unless, unless, now, so they got their own loads, but then if one of them stumps their toe on a root and like, ah, now I can't, oh, yeah, okay, now I'm coming along and saying, let me take some of your load until what you can take, you can do on your own. Are you tracking with me? So there's, listen, there are people who have burdens, but make sure you don't take their loads. And here's what I mean by that. And this commentator put this really blunt. He said, imagine two scenarios. A guy who spends all his money on beer, cigarettes, and lotto tickets refuses to look for a job and asks you for money. Okay, that brother has a load. He needs to provide. Now, you need to come towards him in a spirit of gentleness, but you're not giving him money because you're like, hey, man, I love you, but you're not spending your, your money. I'm not going to carry. That's, that's, a, that's not a burden. But a burden looks like this. An elderly lady in your church who lost her husband and needs transportation, who needs money, who needs comfort. Yeah. Burden. So there's people, you have loads, your own personal responsibilities, and then there's people who have just giant burdens. So we're called to burden bear, guys. We're called to burden bear. And then the text goes on in 6, and nine, uh, six through 10, which just pumps it up. It says, spirit-filled communities give their lives in the good. So it's gonna, it just showed us how spirit-filled communities give their lives when, uh, when things maybe aren't the transgressions and burden-bearing, but now he's going to like, okay, what, what's it look like when maybe things are just going good? So verse 6 starts like this. And then verse 6 is like, oh, really, Lord, do I have to do like, Because verse 6 gives us an example of the one who teaches, preaches, okay, must teach the word faithfully, right? Like, we have to hold the word of God. Like, you, that's what we're all about. It's like, how can I just, you want a pastor who's up here and just saying, okay, look, 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 here, here it is, here it is. But he's, so he's like, must teach the word faithfully, but also the teacher should be supported. That's why it says, share all good things. Now this is why I squirmed, because this passage, you can't get around it, all the commentators say this, this passage is saying, this is where we get the idea of why we pay our pastors. And literally this is, you know, you see it in 1 Timothy 5, 17, you see it in 1 Corinthians 9. But I love this, listen. Share all good things. Giving towards the church is sharing into ministry. And I will say, guys, I have, you know, we've been here like five, six months. I've been so blessed. You guys are doing a phenomenal job. A phenomenal job at this. Of coming along and saying, hey, how can we, how can we lift you up? How can we share the ministry? So that's what he's saying there. And, and beautiful verse, kind of in left field. But then in verse 7, he gets a really big idea. 
Verse 7 is big. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. I love that. God, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For the one who sows, he will reap. Meaning, listen, if you're going to sow seeds, what you sow, you will reap. Don't, you're not going to trick God and say, oh, I'm going to sow this and, and to get a different outcome. No, what you sow, you will reap. And verse 8 says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap the Spirit eternal life. Now that word, the idea of sowing to the Spirit, sowing to the Spirit in short means living for Christ in every area of your life. It literally means what you go back to Galatians 5 where it says, all the fruits of the Spirit. That's what you're sowing. So there's this idea of sowing and reaping. And I love, I love this quote. It says, sow a thought. You sow a thought, you reap an act. You sow an act, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap a destiny. I mean, we live in Western Kansas, so this idea of this imagery of, sh of sowing and reaping should be like, oh, what is he talking about? Like, I was thinking about this. I remember planting my first cornfield. Yes, I planted a cornfield. Back off. <laughs> I planted it with an open cab Case IH tractor with a little six row, and it was a 38 acre field. And once you're back in Illinois, let me tell you, you look at those fields and like, oh, these corn farmers, they want to irrigate, they get all these bushels and they're small little fields, you know, waterways and trees everywhere. It's, yeah. But I remember, I was so proud. I planted this thing. I was like, oh, I remember I go back and looking at that field, looking at that field, looking at that field, like, oh my goodness, this is going to be straight. Like, I don't even know. Like, I have my markers, but I might not even drop the planter. I don't know. Like, and I kept looking, looking. And what was I hoping to see come up out of the ground? Corn. Corn. If we would have came up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm the worst hired man ever. Uh, but no, like, corn. Because why? I planted corn. I wanted corn to grow, so I planted corn. See, listen, the books you read, the people you're with, the things you do for entertainment, the thoughts you you put in your mind, you're all sowing seeds. You're sowing it to the flesh or you're sowing it in the spirit. I was thinking about this. Listen, no one wakes up one morning like, I'm going to be a murderer. I'm going to wake up and I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to be an adulterer. No, it comes from, listen, it comes from small sowing seeds of what you're putting in, what you're spending your time, what you're thinking about over and over. You're sowing. Listen, where you spend your, you're sowing something. And you will reap what you are sowing. And I was thinking about this too. No one wakes up. Like, everyone wants to take a magic pill for godliness. Everyone's like, can I just be godly? Is there a pill I can just take to just make me godly overnight? No. Yes, you can be forgiven like in an instant, but you've got to sow seeds. It comes from you being looking at God and saying, this is amazing what he has done for me. And so it means you turn it, like just get real practical. It means maybe you turn in that show off early. It means you wake it up early. It means you're like, I'm going to be dedicated to church. 
sowing seeds of the Spirit. Taking time to just slow down and say, okay, God has loved me despite of me trying to change and he loves me. Okay, this year, 2022, how can I sow seeds that is going to stir my affection? And what are some things that I'm sowing right now, how I'm spending my time, what I'm thinking, how I'm treating my family, whatever, that are actually sowing seeds of the flesh that I need to kill before all this crop grows? Because something's growing. You're planting something, and you will reap. And then, listen to this, verse 9 is such an encouragement in this idea of helping beings filled with the Spirit and being a Spirit-filled community. He says this, and let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not, if we do not give up. Listen, I know you guys know this, but farming is not that easy, right? You gotta plant a seed and then you sit around and you wait on that thing and you're like, when's it gonna come up? Is this gonna happen? And see, we live in a society, right, where we just want instant gratification. We want to plant the seed and it's like, oh, amazing crop. How amazing would that be? One day you're in your planter and as you look, you're planting the seeds and then all of a sudden the, the corn's already there and it's already ready and then the combine's coming right behind it. It's like planting it in your harvest at the same time. How cool would that be? Pray for it, who knows? But that's what we want. We want instant gratification. But Paul says, hey, serving one another? Serving one another? Paul's like, it's hard. You might not get instant fruit. Matter of fact, keep a watch on your heart because often sheep bite. Sheep bite, yeah. Sheep. And so you're going to try to move to someone and you're going to try to love them. They might just bite you back and try to bite at you. You might get all this hard, cynical heart up on you, and you're like, oh man, like these people. And just our world, we get we get all cynical. We get this world, like, oh, oh I can't love them, I can't love them, because this has happened to them, and this this person did this, this person did this. And you're not thinking long term. Because all you're thinking about is like, I want instant. I, I, I said I hired that person once and I I, I showed love once and they didn't instantly love Jesus. No, it takes time. He's like, don't give up. I love, I, listen to this story. This is a man named Luke Short. At the ripe age, he, okay, he came, it can, it, it, he came to faith at the ripe age of one, 103. Short was sitting under a hedge when it happened. He remembered a sermon he had heard once from a famous Puritan, John Flava. As he recalled the sermon, he asked God right then and there to forgive his sins through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Short lived for three more years, and when he died, this inscription was put on his tombstone. Here lies a babe in grace, age three years, who died according to the natural age of 106. But here's a remarkable part of the story. The sermon, short remembered, had been preached by Flava back in England 85 years before. Nearly a century had passed between the sermon and then the conversion, between the sowing and then the reaping. But a man reaps what he sows, and at the proper time, Flava reaped his harvest. Now I can tell you, 
you read missionaries, you read stories of missionaries, and these guys are warriors because they go on the scene and like they're not seeing instant fruit, and they just journal and journal and journal. It's like, oh my goodness. Like, Lord, just help us not to give up, and then boom, there's converts. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard stories of family members who've prayed for other family members of faith for years, 10, 15, 20 years before any movement of the Holy Spirit. Listen, do not give up. You, listen, don't grow weary. At the proper time, you will reap a harvest. But to who? Who are we, again, to pray for? Who are we to sow these seeds to? The text answers in the final verse in verse 10. As we have opportunity, do good to everyone. And then it says, especially the household faith. Now, it's telling us we definitely, listen, as we grow here, it starts here. Like, okay, how do I burn bear? How do I, you know, if someone's caught in transgression, where, where should I be looking first? Household faith. Each other. But don't miss the text where it also says everyone. You know, the, the Christian gospel really is one of word and deed. And you know, a lot of people just heavy on word, a lot of people are heavy on deed. This text is saying, no, do good. What does good look like? I don't know. Pray in the Spirit at the moment. It might be just helping that brother or sister, you know, hold the door, doing groceries, helping with transportation. Um, it, it, I mean, just pray. Like, it, if you are praying this, Lord, help me to, to see today the opportunity. They'll come. Like, if I started giving you a, they'll come. But pray and don't miss it. So we include and close. I love this. Eventually, Simeon, this desert father, listen, he didn't just have a, a six-foot pole, but he had a 60, he got he got other people around him, and he had a 65, yeah, 65 feet high pole made and a three-foot diameter, and he put crossbars on it. So that way, when he fell asleep, it didn't roll off on it. And listen, he lived there for 30 years. And so, yes, we have stuff in church history about this guy because that's, that's a crazy thing. But I suspect that that brother would have grown so much more. And he missed so many opportunities if he would have came down because he could have helped restore sinners. He could have helped burden bear. And he could have helped share all the good things as, as there was opportunity. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that our God came down. Our God said, you know what? That's what we're just celebrating. I'm coming down. I know these people. I know them. And I love them. I know that this is really hard for them. But that's the point Jesus embodied. Jesus literally embodied this phrase perfect, my life for yours. And verse two, he did 
bear our burdens first. He took all the imperfect ways you're trying to love others. You took and your failures of burden bearing. And he said, you know what? I'm, I understand you can't do it in and of yourself. You need the Spirit. And the Spirit comes from understanding how God first loved you in Christ. Looking to Him. Treasuring Him. Believing in Him. That He loved you despite you. And you just reciprocate that love from His Spirit living in you. So you can say, hey, brother, hey, sister, it's my life for yours. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this word, and um, I'm so thankful that we, this text is really the power behind it. You just show us that we need, we need your Spirit. This type of lifestyle comes this type of community comes from your spirit working in us, from us gazing at the cross of Jesus Christ, from us falling on our faces saying, I cannot believe you would love me. You would restore me. God, did you not see what I did yesterday or done today or what I thought? And yet when we come to you in your grace and your mercy, you begin to change us and move in us. And Lord, it leads it leads us out to help restore brothers to burden, to help carry each other's burdens, to help do this, 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 this good to those around us. And so, Lord, I am praying that you would just, by your power of your spirit, help us to live this text out. However, you want, whatever it was laid on someone's individual, we want to, we want to leave here changed. And so, Holy Spirit, help us. We need you, and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, you can see in your bulletin um, the text for the tithes and offering. This is Malachi 3, 3.10. This is, bring the whole tithe. Bring the whole tithe. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Again, this text is not saying, hey, give. I'm just like, I'm going to give, and so that way God just gives me even more, and so I can just spend on myself. No, he's saying, hey, really, give. Like, everything you have has been given to you, and so you're just giving it back and giving it back, and you just want to give, give more, so you can sow these seeds and see what God does with it. See what God does with it. So if your heart is stirred to give, there's ways to give online, and there's envelopes in the back. But I would encourage you now to stand and sing our final song, No Longer Slaves.
bearing each other's burdens, knowing that Christ first bore yours. Go in this peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Grace Lakin. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Grace Lakin KS, on YouTube, and at gracelakin.com. Thank you.